Good afternoon, five people. It is James here from Fit to Last. Hope you are well, and welcome to today's broadcast. This is a three-part series relating to different aspects of stress and stress management. Now, recently, I was fortunate enough to sit down with Oliver Patrick, who is the executive director of the Via V Clinic on Harley Street in London. Now, Oliver is a world-leading expert in lifestyle management, and we spoke in detail about adrenal fatigue, about stress resilience, and about sleep hygiene. Now, Oliver very kindly provided some considerable insights into some of the uh, fallacies and misnomers associated with these areas, and also some actionable suggestions on improving stress management. So without further ado, this is part one of the three-part series uh, dealing with adrenal fatigue. Here's Oliver Patrick. Sitting here with Ollie Patrick, who is the director of the VAV Academy. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks, James. Pleasure, right. pleasure to be in your company. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. So I guess to start off with, it'd be great to find out some more about your background in terms of Nuffield Health and then um, the progression into the VAV Academy. So why don't you start with that? I shall. So um, background was a exercise science degree from Birmingham back in the uh, late 90s. Uh, and and finishing that degree as many exercise scientists do without any clear idea of a job that I could undertake or, or any future career prospects and finding myself fortunately in a immediate a boutique health screening centre in the city of London and there they used exercise physiologists to run stress electrocardiograms uh, and provide fitness advice to people going through what was at the time a sort of fairly modern health screen, sort of 500 pound health assessment. A lot happened in my, in my time there. Um, first of all, identifying that the product itself wasn't particularly useful. We had um, well people going through a barrage of tests geared up for ill people. And so we were really looking at the wrong parameters to answer the questions people were wanting to have answered. So we were doing lots of tests for whether people had late stage organ failure or acute sort of very close to heart attack cardiovascular disease or big you know obvious dysfunction whereas most people didn't have that they were they were the sort of corporate group but they did have stubborn weight lethargy they had problems with their digestive system they had aches and pains kept pulling muscles they didn't sleep well and they went through this whole process and and we really weren't doing any tests that looked at those areas or giving any particular advice through, again, a very bright leadership team and, and a range of, of changes, we amended our product to put the physiologist from being a bit part player to being probably the main part of the health assessment and brought in technologies to look at stress, um, movement quality, nutritional quality, and, and really get into this concept of how we can create wellness coaching to generate better behavior change. What happened there was, was Nuffield were a big fan of that, move that into their main operation and, and we then trained up a national team of health and well-being physiologists to deliver that style of medicine uh, and that type of health screening. Out of that we then led into a, a buyout of the Canon's gym chain uh, and rolled out the Nuffield Health brand people will be familiar with. Uh, I say we, that was, that was really down to more senior players than I, but I was involved in really creating a training framework and and clinical governance framework that meant we could use physiology in a clinical setting in a reproducible and safe fashion. In latter stages of our Nuffield life, we decided to, to leave a few of us, left with the medical director and chief executive of Nuffield Health, and we set up a, a company that said, what, what type of healthcare could we deliver if we didn't restrict it by the number of times we had to deliver it or the cost of delivery? So we really set up a sort of blue sky health 
assessment program. And we said, what would we do now? Technology's moved on, hormone testing's uh, much more advanced, functional testing much more advanced, DNA mapping much more advanced, um, stem cells are, are prevalent and, and, and appearing to have sort of viable applicated uses. We realized that, that a one-size-fits-all model was not appropriate for lots of people. So we basically set up to run bespoke health assessments at the very top end. And out of that, we managed to create six, seven years of great data in running a huge range of diagnostic and functional markers on clients and building what we think was the best health assessment in the world. The Via V Academy was an offshoot from our core business at Via V, which was we felt we'd learnt a lot around which particular health markers um, had real value in driving behaviour change, which particular functional markers or tests gave us great insight in how to look after someone. And rather than keep that rich data to ourselves, could we share it with wellbeing professionals so they could apply that to their client base? And really there we were saying there isn't an existing wellbeing professional that can handle the full gambit of well-being areas, be that exercise and, and movement, nutrition, nourishment, stress and recovery, and, and intersection with the medical community. So we wanted to create a range of specialised training courses that took most likely, again, exercise scientists or, or high-quality personal trainers and allowed them to move into being more in the well-being coaching space by the application of sensible technologies and appropriate coaching techniques. Fantastic. <clears throat> Now, on the menu today, we're talking about um, adrenal fatigue, which I know is, is, is quite a buzz phrase, to put it mildly. So, uh, for the purpose of, of explaining it, can you define in lay terms, as best as possible, I suppose, uh, what adrenal fatigue is? It's a, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I remember I, I met with a doctor, a famous doctor, not so long ago, and, and he said, what's your thoughts on adrenal fatigue? And I said, well, I, I recognize that medical science doesn't acknowledge it. And, and, and that's a really important starting point. You know, it, is, yeah. it is a non-recognized condition. And it's often talked about as if it's you know, a, another Crohn's disease or you know, something that's well-established and medically accepted. It isn't. So me, the, the traditional medical community doesn't recognize that the adrenal gland would, would run out, which is really what adrenal fatigue is. Um, they recognize that some people have adrenal insufficiency, and that can be a clinical condition like... Um, uh, I believe uh, Addison's is the condition where you don't produce anything out of your adrenal gland or the adrenal gland or the pituitary gland which links with the adrenal gland can become uh, dysfunctional and, and sort of fall over. Adrenal fatigue is, is not that. Adrenal fatigue is, is a functional term that refers to this crucial adrenal gland that's involved you know, in, in the production of a few things but mainly people are talking about production of cortisol getting fatigued. You know, a, a, a gland that is meant to produce a certain amount of a hormone being asked to produce more of that hormone over a period of time, unspecified what that time might be, and then literally fatiguing and being unable to produce the amount of that hormone that the body is asking for. And why adrenal fatigue correlates with most people's concept of fatigue is all around the role that cortisol, this, this stress hormone or this important hormone in our 24-hour circadian rhythm, that the, the adrenal gland produces cortisol. And if the adrenal gland becomes fatigued, then what people are inferring is that you then have low cortisol levels. And so when people are saying, oh, what is adrenal fatigue? What they're really saying is the adrenal gland is unable to produce the required amount of cortisol. And therefore, the person is going to have the symptoms and signs of deficient cortisol production. And that naturally has a big impact 
on someone's sort of sleeping and wake cycle and the energy they have on a normal working day. Now, in terms of uh, symptoms for adrenal fatigue, I appreciate that if someone uh, senses that that, 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 um, that there could be something onsetting involving the, the, the adrenal function, that you may look at look up on, on Google or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Are there any recognizable symptoms of what adrenal fatigue would look like? Another good question. So the, the, the challenge with adrenal fatigue is ultimately there's lots of reasons for fatigue. So adrenal fatigue versus a chronic fatigue, which is a separate issue, or a um, depression, which could exhibit as a, as a fatigue, versus a uh, anemia, which could present, versus a sleep disorder like sleep apnea. There's lots of things that cause fatigue, and, and the big concern medicine has around adrenal fatigue is it, it being used to determine all, uh, as a root cause of all fatigue rather than specific fatigue. So things that are fairly specific to, to this concept of the adrenal gland starting to, to prove insufficient are broadly around refreshment after sleep. So certainly after a period of prolonged sleep, which is similar to chronic fatigue in all fairness, that the person feels unrefreshed on waking. And that seems to be um, irrespective of the length of sleep that they've had. Something that's quite particular around adrenal fatigue is an increased craving for salt um, due to the role the adrenal gland has in producing another um, hormone called aldosterone, which is really involved in regulating blood pressure. And that leads to a third issue with, with adrenal fatigue, which is often a challenge in people getting very dizzy or lightheaded when going from sitting to standing or lying to standing. So what we call orthostatic hypotension. So I stand up and that, get that sort of lightheadedness and dizziness because the body normally, as I go from lying to standing, would increase its blood pressure to stop me draining all the blood out of my brain. But again, part of that mechanism is dysfunctional as the adrenal gland is, is less able to produce its wares. So... You know, when you've got someone who is exhausted, you know, feeling tired, is certainly not feeling refreshed after, after waking, craving for salty foods, facing challenges around dizziness and, and irregular blood pressure, which they haven't faced before, those are some warning signs that say, hey, what's going on with that adrenal gland? The, the concern always is people Googling adrenal fatigue and, and squeezing their symptoms into what is an adrenal fatigue pattern whilst ignoring some of the red flags for other more likely causes of their fatigue. You know, and because energy is such a summation of how the human body works, to, to say that one particular thing has dropped energy by 20, 30, 40% is very unlikely. And where we like to, to have this positioning of adrenal fatigue is when we're looking at adrenal fatigue, we've already excluded other more traditional allopathic medical reasons why that person might be tired. And that will extend not just into physiological energy, but also into emotional energy, into mental energy and, and, and deeper areas. But in our experience and, and my personal client experience, when we've excluded those traditional reasons for fatigue and we've tested the adrenal gland, there are almost countless numbers of times where we have found the adrenal gland insufficient to produce cortisol and the correction of that directly correlating with the person increasing their energy. So when I sit with a sceptical doctor, which I often do, rightly so, um, I can say, look, the medical science doesn't recognise adrenal fatigue, but our case studies and our experience has meant that we've dealt with countless people where adrenal insufficiency was undoubtedly correlated with the symptoms and correction of that was undoubtedly correlated with improvement of those symptoms above and beyond anything that could be explained by placebo. Okay, so in terms of um, 
I, I guess the, the, the I guess the uh, I take away from that is that when it comes to how to address the issue, you're looking for a holistic audit to sort of you have to you know yeah. and 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 that's difficult because you know in many cases people don't know where to look for that. But but what you would certainly want is the traditional mechanisms of fatigue being excluded via traditional medical testing. You know, so someone saying I've got adrenal fatigue because I'm tired all the time and I've seen it on the internet and therefore beginning that treatment protocol, to me that, that falls into the category of a potential false negative. As in they, they have determined the wrong reason for their condition and therefore are following the wrong treatment protocol at the expense of the right treatment protocol. And imagine something simple like an anemia where that could have been corrected with iron or you know with, with basic supplementation that that person then is years away from discovering because not only are they not following that pathway, they're following the wrong pathway for a long period of time. Okay. Now, you mentioned before about, about um, adrenal fatigue and depression. So yeah. the, the, so they, they present similarly or...? or... Yeah, I mean, it's, depression is so many different iterations. Of course, of yeah. Presents. And, yeah. and there's a great danger that if, if you walk into a doctor's office with a listlessness, with a lack of energy, that will present as depressive that person who can't find the enjoyment in anything that person who hasn't got the drive to get up and go and and distinguishing between whether that's a deficiency of mental energy or whether that's a complete absence of physiological energy is a really difficult task you know and the doctors of course have got a, a criteria which they can apply to that but if if i'm in a doctor's office complaining that i have no uh, no verve no 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 zest for life you know, and I fit into a, a depressive framework, it's far easier for them to treat me with an antidepressant than it is to look at the holistic lifestyle and behavior changes that would be associated with digging yourself out of an adrenal insufficiency. So is it fair to say that de- depression is almost a path of least resistance in terms of comparing adre- depression versus adrenal f- fatigue when it comes to diagnosis and how to, how to deal with it? But- Undoubtedly, A, because it's more medically recognized. Of course, yeah. B, there's a cleaner treatment protocol. So there's a care pathway by which I can treat you and, and monitor that. And, and it's equally, if, if someone is given an antidepressant, it's likely they will feel better. So you, you do generate a uplift in mood quality. That, that is not to say that the two things aren't deeply interlinked. But we, we would see someone with an adrenal fatigue as very unlikely to hold a high-quality mood because if they can't access energy... How could we expect them to function at, at, at what they might recognize as their previous best? Or how can we expect them to hold quality relationships or produce quality work in their, in their, in their corporate environment? So th- there is a natural interplay between these you know, that, that, that is far more complex than I could, could unpick. But there's a potentially a predisposition for people reporting with signs of fatigue to be recognized as, as having early signs of depression and be treated as such. We have seen that before. Okay. Difficult question. Is, is there, is there uh, a typical client? It's a, it's, it's a tough question because there's no such thing as a typical person. I prefer, yeah. but, <laughs> but, you know, if you were, if you were being broad brushed, you would say your type A personality. You know, again, it's a very remedial psychological profiling, but you're driven, <clears throat> need to achieve type individual, is more predisposed because they, I suppose for two reasons. One is they will load their plate. You know, they will put things into what normal people might have as rest periods or breaks, and they'll maximize the, the, the amount they can squeeze into their physical resources. They may also not be great at detecting early signs of change. 
that, that desire to achieve a goal might mean that they're not listening to the fact that suddenly they need to sleep more or suddenly their diet has changed. They're so goal-focused that they ignore their physiology to the point where it's, it's, it's gone quite a long way from baseline before they recognize that something has changed. So undoubtedly our, our achievers, our type A, our, our very driven individuals have a lifestyle that, that, that excludes sometimes quality recovery and perhaps a lifestyle that excludes them identifying early signs of change. And both of those things are a problem because this is not an acute issue. This is something that's changed over a period of time. Can genetics predispose? Not to our knowledge. You know, the thing with, with I'm sure down the line, genetics can predispose us to, to most things. So sure. our, our resilience, there's certainly increased predisposition of, of um, certain genes involved in retaining neurotransmitters and predisposition for mood stability. But, but with genes and expression, there needs to be a big body of work to say these 100 people have got a clinically defined adrenal fatigue. Sure. What was their genotype? Yeah, and therefore, that, that retrospective analysis can't be done until medical science recognizes a population of people with adrenal fatigue that they can gene test. Okay. So there's lots you could draw within the genes that could predispose in terms of personality type and drive and neurotransmitter. But as a direct link, no, no, no data to my knowledge exists. Okay. If someone listening says, this is me, I guess the, the, the conundrum that, that, that I would have is, is that if the ho- a holistic audit is required to figure out where, what's, what's causing the, 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 the symptoms that they're facing, yeah. but yet the medical profession doesn't recognize adrenal fatigue, what are there any interventions that can be done on your own? Like, like what, what, what sort of diagnosis, diagnostic process can you go to considering the medical profession doesn't, doesn't acknowledge adrenal fatigue as a condition itself? And it's a difficult one because where the problem people have when they've accessed traditional medicine, and, and they still must as the first port of call, if you've been through that traditional medical testing with the capacity that NHS faces, it does you know, an incredible job, but it can't keep digging for something subtle. It's got to tick off the big things. So by the time you've been to the doctors and they've told you you don't have anemia, you don't have a sleep apnea, you don't have a thyroid dysfunction, etc., etc., they'll often then say, okay, this is psychological. And I think that's the point where people say, that doesn't fit, and therefore I want to look elsewhere. And the problem is they then look at alternatives rather than complements. And medicine needs to learn from that. You know, If someone has got low energy and they're reporting that accurately, just because there isn't a test that reflects it, within the current medical system doesn't mean that person's making it up. As with anything where there's a large demand, there's going to be a, a, a practice evolving. So there are people who can test for adrenal functionality um, in an inconsistent fashion. So traditionally that's sat within clinical nutrition, uh, where nutritionists will do it, naturopathic doctors will do it, doctors that would work, again, I would hope in complement to traditional doctors, but, but often in as an alternative route to um, the traditional test for it, which is um, to look at adrenal functioning via cortisol and another hormone, DHEA, which is also, uh, again, tied in with adrenal fatigue, um, would be saliva testing. And there's a number of labs that do that. And again, a number of individual practices that would test for that, but in a slightly inconsistent fashion. One thing we, we did within the VEV Academy was say, we strongly believe in the integration between traditional medicine, but also stretching to things that aren't yet understood, but certainly have value. So we taught people how to run um, cortisol testing through saliva testing and run that in a way that fits with excluding traditional medical concerns and making sure that the individual can be, I suppose, in, in safe 
well-governed hands. But four saliva tests throughout the course of the day will give a picture of whether the adrenal gland is producing sufficient cortisol and whether that could be included or excluded as a line of thought of how to improve that individual's energy. So in terms of, I guess, personalized interventions for, for, for someone who's, um, they recognize that their energy is low yep. and they've had the different conditions that you've talked about ruled out by um, a physician. Are there, any, are there any interventions that someone can take on their own or, or, or is it a, ca- a case that they should go, once, once the diagnosis is taking place, you don't have the following things from your doctor, you should seek out um, a cortisol test straight away or are there any things you can recommend someone could do in the meantime to help, to help assist them like, like they can do on their own? That's a good question. I'd always someone, rather someone was doing it with an with a affiliate professional who understands cortisol testing, what it does mean, what it doesn't mean. Sure. And then that individual is coached to appropriate interventions. If you look at lots of the interventions for adrenal fatigue, they are in that do no harm category, which which I like. Certainly, the ability to focus on sleep and quality sleep makes a big difference. Often, poor quality sleep is a contributing cause, and then poor quality sleep is, is unfortunately an effect of but working on sleep hygiene, and well, I think we might talk about that a little later in, in this podcast, um, and getting restorative deep sleep throughout the course of a normal night would be something to absolutely focus on. From a nourishment point of view, why it's traditionally sat with um, clinical nutritionists rather than dietitians, but clinical nutritionists, is a focus on various micronutrients, B vitamins in particular, and magnesium, which have, have been deemed to play a role certainly in energy production, but also in supporting the adrenal gland. There will be thoughts on some adaptogenic herbs, which may be prescribed in certain situations by appropriate professionals. If you looked at, at, at logical things to do, it's, it's good quality sleep. It's restoring a natural balance between stress and recovery, which is something we'll also talk about in a moment, uh, and nourishment. You, know, you can get into micronutrient prescription, but you know, if you're talking about a whole food diet rich in diversity of, of um, vegetables rich in good courses good sources of, of lean protein and, and nuts and seeds for your b vitamins um, whole grain you know as required against against training load you'll be getting a large number of those micronutrients in higher dosages if you're not eating that way already but it, it to be too prescriptive on the intervention is a danger because for example if that individual has got an adrenal fatigue but they have a totally normal amount of b vitamins then adding more b vitamins is not the solution. So you know, you're always in that position, what, what caused it in the first place? Can I correct that? And which lifestyle behaviours, certainly sleep, certainly nourishment, and adding on top of that, you know, blood sugar balance will be an absolutely huge focus of that eating programme. And into that sort of recovery element, meditation would almost always be, be indicated. Um, and, and, but selecting which one of those to do or all of them would want to be in the hands of, of a skilled professional. Hi guys, James here from Fit to Last. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions regarding this podcast, please drop me an email to james at fittolast.co.uk and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks again. See you next time.